Welcome to the Athletics of Business, a podcast about how the traits and behaviors of elite athletes and remarkable business leaders frequently intersect. The real stories and hard lessons to help you level up your leadership and performance. Now your host, Ed Molitor. Welcome back to another episode of the Athletics of Business podcast. I am your host and CEO of the Molitor Group, Ed Molitor. Now, have you ever had one of those days or one of those weeks, God help you, I hope you haven't had one of those quarters, where you said to yourself, man, I just want to get out of here. Let's just go, can I just move to, to an island and do something that I love to do and live with a sense of purpose every single day and serve others and, and get off this treadmill, get out of the rat race? Well, today's special guest, Sue Cooper, did exactly that. Not long after she was employee of the, of the year at H.H. Brown, which I'm going to talk a little bit about how she got to that point. Not long after, at the age of 28, Sue actually quit her corporate job to follow that dream of living on an island, opening her own business. And here's the part I left out, rescuing a dog, which is truly awesome. She wanted to build a business, a brand, and life that inspired her every day rather than just working for the weekends. And 26 years later, her business, Lazy Dog Adventures, mind-blowing, okay, on the island of Key West, an incredible place, is about to celebrate, get this, it's 25th year. As if that weren't enough, Sue has written four books and won the Athena Awards for Leadership and Public Speaking on Building a Business, Brand, and Life. This is such a cool conversation because, yes, she pursued a dream and she went all in on herself. She created, and this is one of her big lessons she shared, if you want something to exist, create it. She says, create what you want to exist. And and speaking of the word creativity, as you know, our foundational program here inside of our Emerging Leader Coaching Program and Leader Enrolled Coaching Programs is the Victory Defined platform. And we take the word victory and there are seven pillars, values and tangibles, creativity, team, objectives, rules of the game, and you. And by chance and a little bit by design, this conversation really emphasized the creativity piece and working on the you piece. And Sue shares with us how she used creativity. I mentioned H.H. Brown earlier, how she used creativity to design a role for herself at H.H. Brown, which is pure genius, seems simple, but quite genius. And that story alone can help you reframe your current situation and where you're at, regardless of your space in your industry, okay? And that role she created for herself led her to being employee of the year. Creativity has played a, a huge role in her having board meetings out in the ocean, workshops on the sandbar, and she loves to create events. And you know why she loves to create? Let me give you a hint, because they push your boundaries. We really jump into the mentor. She's had some amazing mentors in her life in how she has learned so much from them and put them into play and put it into action. She talks about her mom and dad. She talks about Pat Croce. She talks about Richard Branson and Tony Robbins. And, and everything that Sue says in this conversation is completely applicable to you and I, regardless of what facets of our life. So I'm done. I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to get out of the way and I'm going to let you enjoy this conversation with the great Sue Cooper. Sue, thank you so much for joining us on the Athletics of Business podcast today. I can't even put into words how excited I am to get going here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited as well. I feel bad. We had a conversation about a month and a half ago, and you've done a lot of things, by the way, in the last month and a half, but we had a conversation about a month and a half ago that in and of itself was a podcast recording. Just We talked about so much, so we're going to replicate that here, but just tell us about where you're at what you're doing, and then we're just going to reverse engineer your amazing journey. Uh-huh, right on. Well, I live in Key West. Uh, I've lived here for 25 years. And about 24 and a half years ago, 
I started my business, Lazy Dog. It's Lazy Dog Adventures. We do paddle boards and kayaks. Uh, we have a charter boat. We have our own, own brand of merchandise. And I've got about 18 employees, mostly part-time, a few full-time. Um, and we just have a, a great time. We, we joke that we are uh, the highlight of people's vacations is what we see all the time on TripAdvisor. And we just take that and we, we run with it. We love it. We, well, uh, there is no platform. joke about that. We've had friends run through there and they absolutely have a blast <laughs> and talk about it all the time. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really good feeling to, to have a, a job where you love going to work. Uh, you love the, the people that you work with. And um, we you know have a great customer base that uh, have a great time. And when we hear them say it's the highlight of their vacation, it's, it's really the full package. I couldn't ask for anything more out of uh, business. How did you land in Key West? Because the story is very, you were very successful at a young age, right? In the corporate world. Love for you to walk us through that story, employee of the year. But you, you end up in Key West and you ended up kayaking for a reason. And then all of a sudden it evolves into this, right? Can <laughs> yeah, you take it, us through that? It does. You know, it's kind of interesting because I, yeah, I did, I, I won a big award at work. Uh, I was living in Connecticut and I just, I woke up the next day and I was probably the most miserable I've ever been. And I just was a big realization. Like I'd worked so hard for, for this and uh, I got this award and that was great, but everything else wasn't, you know, my personal life, my relationships, I was traveling all the time. So I wasn't in, in shape. There were a lot of things that just, uh, that it's, it's I wanted it all. Right. <laughs> and I thought, why not? So I quit. And I had this dream of living on an Island, opening my own business and getting a dog, rescuing a dog. And I didn't know what island. I didn't know what business. Dogs, all I knew was Greyhound Rescue. You know, right. so I really didn't know anything about it. I, and I just, uh, but by quitting, it forced me to take action. And yeah, I ended up in Key West. It was, uh, I looked at the map. It was the warmest place on the map. And uh, it was an island. So. <laughs> and it was the further south you could go. Okay, if you don't want to brag on yourself, I'm going to do it for you. So you were working for H.H. Brown and you were the employee of the year at the age of 28, correct? Right. I'm completely fascinated by how you a got the job at HH Brown, that whole interview uh -huh. process, and B, where all of a sudden you created this position for yourself and you really established yourself as a leader, maybe not by title, but as a leader. Right. Well, um, I didn't have any experience. I mean, my dad was he worked for IBM, so I had like the business sort of background uh, of just conversations with my father. But uh, I went in for my interview and I have a strong athletic background. I played soccer. I played uh, division one soccer at UMass. Uh, I'd run 17 marathons. So I felt confident in myself and what I could bring. They would have to teach me that I'd have to learn what the business is all about. But I knew in my ability that I'm a great team player and I have the self-discipline from my sports to carry over into the, into the business world. And I did. I told in my interview, I actually told them that I was in a year they were going to tell me that I was the best hire they ever had. And I don't know where that confidence came from because I'm <laughs> I not, I don't swagger. really have that. I had the confidence in my athleticism and what that, uh, and I understood myself. I knew what I could bring to the table. At such a young age, how did you understand yourself? Where did that come from? Well, I think it just comes, sports is, is huge. You learn so much about yourself from winning, from losing, from training, training on the days you don't want to be training. I learned a lot through soccer, uh, playing at that level. And then uh, more importantly, even in, in marathoning, you know, it's just you. You can't cheat the system. <laughs> you don't do the work. You know, you're not going to get the results. And uh, so there's no, there's no cheating in, in sports and training. And that's what I, I love about it. 
Well, you know, what's really cool about this. I mean, there's a lot of things, but you establish your, your connection and your commitment to the whole team aspect, right? Being a part of something bigger than yourself. But yeah, here you go doing a thousand marathons. Okay. 17, but you get the point. <laughs> and now this is more of an, yes, you have a team that helps you, that assists you, that supports you, but it's more of your feet beating the pavement and, and you're inside your own head. How are you able to balance that as you have developed into this incredible leader that so many people look to for mentoring and guidance and support? How are you able to balance the mindset of a marathon runner? Okay. And all the training that goes into it, which can appear on the outside to be selfish sometimes, which you and I both know it truly isn't, but then you still know how to pour that mindset into the team environment. Well, I think through training and just through even every day, getting up and running and working out and taking care of myself first, I, and I can bring the best Sue Cooper to everything that I do. And to me, this is the biggest, I think factor in, in changing people's lives for the better is if we all just took care of ourselves and brought the best version of ourselves, I'm going to bring the best suit to work, to my relationships, to absolutely everything that I do, my family. Otherwise, if I just get up and roll out of bed, maybe grab some coffee, stroll into work, and I'm tired, I don't want to be there, everyone's going to feel that. And that's the, the company's going to become that energy. So I make sure that I bring the best Sue to everything. It's Some may say it's selfish. Oh, I don't have enough time to do that because I got all these responsibilities. It's like, no, no, no. You got to actually reverse it and realize that if you take the time for yourself and bring that A-plus version of yourself to everything, all your relationships at work, at home, everything that you do is going to be improve. And to me, it's uh, that's sort of that message I really want to get across to people because that's what I think when I look back at my life in business and sports, I believe that I brought the best Sue Cooper everything that I did because I got up every morning before the sun was up and worked out and took that time for myself, meditated, whatever it was. You know, I like to learn new things. I like to, I mean, constantly our minds are just as important as our bodies in working out and improving. And when I say bring the best version of ourselves, I don't just mean physically. And I don't mean you have to be the fittest person in the room. You just have to have the energy because everything we do requires energy. But the mind to me in the next, you know, going forward here, 10, 20 years is going to be where we're going to see a big uh, shift in the people that sort of grow and really make a big difference in this world because our minds, you know, it was 80% of our, was it, we get 60,000 thoughts a day and 80% are, are negative and 95 are repetitive. You know, so if you want to just change your life, you just change your thoughts. It's actually the best book I say I've never read because all I read was the cover. A Wayne, <laughs> well, Wayne that's enough though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Change your thoughts, change your life. Mm-hmm. But easiest way to change our, our thoughts and change our life is just to always learn and bring in new things. So I start every day when I when I walk and run, I always listen to a new podcast or a new YouTube video. I just listen to something new that can just bring some new information. Uh, into my mind so that I'm constantly not just, you know, going through the days, thinking the same things and hearing the same views and trying to always learn something new. There's so much negative energy right now and there's so much confrontation. And to do that, to start your day like that is so significant. So you walk, you run, do you still meditate? I do meditate. Yes. It's hard. (laughs) Sometimes it's only two minutes, but I try and do it. You keep the street going, right? Yeah. Every day. Yeah. How important is your routine to you? Like how many hours a day do you spend on yourself? I know we've talked 
we, we just had that amazing conversation. We talked about two hours a day and it's a lot easier than people think. People can spin it and make all the excuses they want. It is a lot easier to spend two hours a day on yourself than you think. It is. You know, you can uh, listen to podcasts and motivational videos. You can learn new things when you're cooking, when you're walking in the car. There's so many times a day that we can enhance our life and learn something new. And it's not just, you know, you got to find two hours straight up. I mean, it's, it's just making the most of your time. And that's what I do. I think I do fairly well. But YouTube is probably the greatest teacher that we have. And you can find and learn anything you want there. You want to learn how to be a financial advisor. You want to learn how to you know, do Facebook ads or be a social media expert. Whatever you want to learn, it's there. And so there's no excuses these days. I mean, when I started Lazy Dog, it was 1998. And that's the same year that Google started. So I couldn't say, hey, Google, right. <laughs> how do you start a business? You know, I didn't know. And I just went purely off of feeling. And I, and I think that to this day, I still love that uh, when people ask me, you know, about success, I'm like, it's my gut. My gut has always told me what was right and what was wrong and where I wanted to go because I was just so into my business. I just went off my feelings. I just didn't Google. I didn't ask. Hey, what should I do here? What should I do? And and that's what I like about Sarah Blakely. She started Spanx. I mean, she's got a billion dollar business now, but she's uh, so a different level. But she started Spanx the same way. She didn't know what to do. She just did things based off of feeling. And when she you know went into Neiman Marcus and was like, "Hey, I've got this idea." And anyway, Neiman, Neiman Marcus ended up getting her into seven stores with Spanx. Well, all her other colleagues were like, "How did you do that?" And she's like, well, I just, I just called and went, I went in, I made an appointment. And they're like, no, 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 that's not how you do it. You got to go to the expos and you got to show and you got to, and then eventually after two years and they see your established business, they'll come to you and ask you for your product and maybe you'll get a meeting. And she's like, oh no, I just thought I'd call. Like I didn't know. And so the fact that she didn't know what to do, what made her to what she is today. And, right. and so I love that. And, and I mean, I would go to bookstores and be like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. And I would just read titles of the books. Okay, yeah. so the power of yes. Okay, so okay, so it's good that I, because I'm a yes person, you know, right. I'm like, okay, <laughs> yes, okay. So like, I would see these books and I'd be like, I'm doing it right. I think I'm doing yeah. it right. Yeah. You know? So, like the gut, like your intuition is so significant, especially when you're leading people, especially when you're starting up a business. But when you didn't get it right, okay, when oh, you yeah. came Plenty up a little times. short of the idea, <laughs> right, many times. I already had like 20 times this morning, but- <laughs> How did you not lose faith in yourself? Like, how did how did you have that resilience and that endurance to just keep going? Oh, we just—it's uh, my parents, probably a great upbringing. Just always, you know, taught me to be positive. My mom, I joke, came up with uh, the, the slogan "Just do it" before Nike because my mom used to tell me that all the time. She said, "Just do it, just do it." The outcome didn't matter whether I was good at something or whether I was bad at something or whether I didn't get it or whatever. What mattered is that I just did it. And so that was my life. I mean, I just, I've done so many things. And what's great about it is I've learned some things I thought, oh, this is where I wanted to go. This is the direction I wanted to go. And I would do go in that direction and be like, no, 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 wait a minute. I don't want, I don't want this. The good thing about that is that it just takes away the any energy that going forward. So I'm like, okay, well, I did that. I didn't really want to do it. Like I wanted to franchise Lazy Dog. I spent $25,000. I hired the attorneys. We did all the paperwork. I, I wrote manuals 
I don't, I don't have manuals at lazy dog. Like I, I I had to start from scratch because I've just done everything off of feel and, and the energy of my staff at the time I went through everything. And then I was like, wow, this is just a process. You know, that first you got to interview, then you've got to do this. And it was just a lot of legalities. And I'm like, I don't want this to be my job. And so I backed out of it and yeah, $25,000 and a lot of time wasted, but wow, it was like the best decision I ever made. Now going forward now, I never think about franchising. People are like, what do you think about? No, don't even talk to me about it. I'm not wasting any more time on it. I thought I wanted to do it. But the one thing that I always look at when I'm growing my business or getting into a different, uh, bringing a new element into our business is what does this mean for my daily job? Because ultimately I moved to Key West because I wanted to live a life that I want to live. Like I wanted to create a job that I wanted to come to work because I love to work. So if I do X, then that means like franchising. If I went franchising, that means my job, my job would be a lot of legalities, a lot of paperwork, a lot of computer work. I don't want that. I want to be outside. I want to be with the people. I want to grow my business that way. So always remember when you make decisions, what that means. I'm a friend of mine. He got a job, a uh, promotion. They gave him an extra $10,000, but he had to take the phones and do the after hour call-ins. And he just He's got a skill. He's an electrician. He loves working with electronics and doing his business, but he doesn't necessarily like the people aspect of it. But his, he took the money because he wanted the money, but that created a job that he didn't really want. And two months later, he said, can I just go back to my old job? <laughs> you know. So always remember like when you're making decisions, what does that mean for your daily job? Does that mean you're going to all of a sudden have to work nights and you don't want to work nights? So, and there's a lot of happiness uh, that could be figured out before you actually get go down that road. I think people fear taking risk. Like we talked about saying yes. I think people fear taking risk. They don't want to lose time. They don't want to lose the space in their life. But I want to connect the making the decision to not franchise to what you said when you first discovered Tony Robbins and his 30 cassettes that you bought. <laughs> Not to yeah. date ourselves, right? 30 cassettes. <laughs> I know, cassettes. <laughs> but you said something to me that really stuck with me. And I think about this. It's like, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen if I do this and it really yeah. doesn't work out? I mean, what is the worst thing that can happen is you're a lot smarter. You're a lot, of more, you're a lot more aware. You yeah. know what not to do. You had the experience. Yeah. And you know how significant is that in your journey to have the ability to say yes and push the boundaries a little bit? Yeah, well, I mean, if we only... Uh... If we only did what we what we know, then that'd be kind of boring. <laughs> we have to get out and just keep trying things. And from that, we learn of other things. Like I have a kayak business. I had never kayaked before, but what I wanted to do, I wanted to work outside. I wanted to work with my hands. I wanted to create a fun experience for people. I wanted to be on the water. Like I had all these, this list of things that I wanted. And the, I saw a kayak one day and I'm like, that, that looks cool. I think I want to go do that. But if you just got to put yourself out there, otherwise, if I said, oh, gosh, I've never kayaked before, I could never run a kayak business, you know, I've taken myself out of the game. And that's what a lot of I find a lot of people do is they take themselves out of the game. No one else does. And, uh, you know, I, I learned that it's one of my favorite stories in my book, um, Millionaire Flip Flops, is when I was in college, I was a terrible, not a terrible. I was probably the worst player on the team, but I was the fittest player on the team. Right. I didn't go to right. all national camps and everything, but I, I had skill, but I was definitely the fittest person on the team. 
Anyway, we go through the first week of fall training and I was, oh, I was crying. I'm calling home and I'm like, I just don't want to do this. These Everyone's so much better than me. I'm just, I, I want to come home. And my parents, they said, you know, just stick it out for the two weeks. And then if you still want to come home, you can come home. Well, the next day the coach has us in and he says, all right, uh, took us all in individually in his office. And I come in his office and he says, I'm going to take 25 players for the team, you know, 11 starters and then the rest. He says, right now you're number 12. And so you're going to be the first one off the bench. And I was like, oh my God, here I am. I thought I wasn't even going to make the top 25. Right. If I had gone home or if my parents had said, sure, you can come home. I would have taken myself out of the greatest experience of my life. Those four years playing division one soccer was amazing. Uh, great friendships, great experiences, travel, and you just can't take yourself out of the game. And going through now in business, we had come up with an idea for to present to the cruise ships. So I went to this guy who's who knows the cruise ships and the their dealings well. And I said, this is what I want to present. And he said, no way. There's no way they'll go for it. And I'm like, are you sure? Because I just think it's going to be a great, it's going to be great for them. He's like, nope, I know them. They're not, it's not going to. I could have said, okay, fine, never mind. Instead, I got the meeting. I went to the cruise lines. I said, this is what I have. And they accepted it and it became an excursion for them. So don't let anybody take yourself out of the game. You know, that final person who has the final decision, the coach, the cruise mm -hmm. line, whoever. But otherwise, you just got to keep going. Don't listen to the outside noise. Believe in what you're doing and don't take yourself out of the game. So, And I have to believe that that cruise ship deal was a difference maker for you. It was a little bit of a game changer with the excursions. Yeah, yeah. We've done a, quite a few over the years, but it created a, a, a great relationship with them. You have this amazing ability to have these a vision which is so significant for a leader. Okay. I mean, you have a vision and I want to take you back to HH Brown. When you were working, you talk about you were in the best shape on your team at UMass, right? But then when you were at HH Brown, you would get there early, you would stay late. And when you stayed late, you'd finish your job for the next day. So when people came in, you could ask them, Hey, what can I help yeah. you with? What is yeah. it? Yeah. But then you had a vision of why shoes weren't selling like you thought they should, because no one carried a, a certain feature that you had. Can you tell us that story? Because to me, there was yeah. <laughs> so much more power in this than it seems on the surface. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I was uh, hired as customer service. That was the entry-level job, nine to five. I would come in at seven and work seven to nine. And I just, whoever came in early, I would ask to help. And from five to seven afterwards, you know, anything I could do to help, I just wanted to learn the business. And I was sitting there with our marketing guy. He was from, um, he originally worked at Nike. So we both had uh, athletic sports-minded philosophies. And I said to him, we're the very first handmade construction that to put Gore-Tex in a shoe, mm -hmm. in a handmade shoe. Nobody else had done that. And we should be like the biggest boot company because of that. Gore-Tex was huge. But the thing is, nobody understood the shoe. Nobody understood how to sell it. Nobody understood Gore-Tex. And so I said, how about we come up with this job? It's, it could be like a tech rep. It's in the, the tech reps are in the athletic, like uh, athletes for like all the sporting stores, companies, Nike, Adidas have tech reps that work with sales reps that come in outside of the sales rep. They come in and they teach the employees of the store, whoever's selling the shoes, how to sell them. And so I'm like, why don't we create a tech rep program? And I can travel around to the, the best stores in the country, our best accounts and teach the employees how to sell the shoes. And the best part is that I'm going to be able to, to prove that this job is I'm going to quantify it by seeing how many more shoes they order. 
So you can see the increase. They're like, okay, fine. So yeah, for the next, I don't know, four years, I pretty much just did that. I made my own schedule. I traveled around and uh, helped the sales reps. And and that's why I really realized also the communication between the people in the office and the people on the ground, sort of being that connector and giving everybody the tools to do the best job that they can. From learning that at Lazy Dog, when I'm not there, like my business is open right now and I'm here talking to you, right? right? But I trust them. I need to give them all the trust. And, and by giving them trust, it's just the resources that give them all the tools to be able to be the best version of themselves to be able to do the best job that they can. And that comes from two things that my dad always taught me. You could build a great business on two things, trust and confidence. And that's what I always try and instill in my staff. And they get that confidence by me trusting in them and giving them all the resources and saying, yeah, you don't have to call me if a customer asks a certain question. You can decide you just make the best decisions for the company. And they love that. And it's the they've grown within the company. And uh, it's, it's that's what's what's helped the company grow over years. Well, it's funny because we're sitting here living in this time of, of quiet quitting, which I would sit here and I would rip on, but anyone who quiet quits is not listening to this podcast anyway. So it'd be, <laughs> you know, it'd be a waste of time. But I have to imagine Key West isn't the easiest place to find long-term employees. And the way that you lead your people, the way you put people first, and the way you help them succeed through trust and confidence. Can you tell me how that all began to evolve when you first started Lazy Dog? Yeah. I mean, I'm active in my business. And if I care, if the owner cares, it's a lot easier for the staff to care. I'm there till the end. If somebody doesn't come back, a kayaker doesn't come back and we're about to close. And I, I tell my staff, I'm like, you go home. I got this. I'm going to do all the work that they're going to do plus some. And I'm going to, again, give them all the tools and resources they need to be able to do their job. And so for me, my job is to make sure that my staff has everything that they need. That's my job. And fill me in wherever I'm needed. Like if they're like, oh, it's going to look crazy over here. We need an extra person over here. Like, I got you. So I'm just the support person for them. Not a lot of business owners will always do that because they'll be so busy doing their job. But for me to do my job and the things that I need to do to grow the business outside of being at at work, I have to do on my own time. And when I'm there at work, I am there for my staff. So you provide all the resources that your people need. You, you lead through trust and confidence. What happens when someone's not getting it, right? What yeah. happens when there's, when there's that gap? Someone's falling short. The expectations aren't being met. How do you coach them? How do you lead through that? Yeah, I know it's tough. I mean, you always want to make sure that your communication as a leader is that they're understanding everything. And everybody learns differently and everybody communicates differently. And so the first thing is just to see where maybe I've gone wrong. Maybe they don't understand the, what, where we're trying to go here or what we're trying to do. But because I really create a team atmosphere, because to me, the team has so much more energy than the individual. And when one person is letting the team down, to have them be able to see that and realize it's a team. Just a little side note, we're doing paddleboard racing. Paddleboard racing was big back in 2010. We're traveling all over the country and I would take a bunch of my staff with me. Anyway, everyone kept calling us the lazy dog team. And I never really thought about it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're a team. Anyway, I made shirts that said lazy dog paddle team, you know, just something fun for us to, to have. And I gave one out and this one girl said to me, you know what? And she's a little bit older than me. She says, I've never been on a team. And I'm like, what? Wow. She's like, this is like the greatest. I've never been on a team. And she was like, so thrilled to be yeah. on. The and, you know, I take it for granted. Like I grew up in sports and yeah, there's, I've been on teams my whole life, but 
there is a great energy when you're on a team of helping each other, supporting each other. Some people don't have that at home. They don't have that in their personal lives. But when they come to Lazy Dog, it is a team. We can see pretty quick if somebody's going to pick it up or not. But Well, speaking of a team and, and energy and creativity, board meetings out in the ocean. <laughs> Talk to me about yeah. those. Yeah, yeah well, the, those are the best. It gets back to the whole create what you want to exist. You know, I created the, the job of tech rep at HH Brown. And for me, I was asked to do some public speaking after my book and I just didn't want to go. I just didn't like the big conference rooms. I didn't like the fluorescent lights and the, you know, uh, there was a lot of things I didn't, I didn't want to be inside. And I'm like, if I'm going to do some public speaking and if I'm going to do some workshops, I want to do them in my comfort zone and that's on the ocean. And so I would do these programs where people would come to Key West and at sunrise, we would go and walk the beach, do exercises. I'd take them through a lot of mindset and body work and talk about the importance of hydration and sleep and all the benefits that we could do physically to get ourselves in prime shape. And then I'd take them on the boat out into the back country into a sandbar and we'd set up a tent for anyone who wanted shade. And I have a workbook and we would just sit out there and do the work. And then we'd paddle around and bring our workbook and little dry bags and and do the work. Uh, I'm a big action plan person, you know, like I can sit here and watch uh, a great, listen to a great podcast or a great YouTube video. But if I don't do anything about it, knowledge is only take you so far. Action is going to take you. All right. I have to do this right now. Yeah. Your, your workbook. Okay. You have an yeah. ebook, right? Where can the listener find your ebook? Yeah. I'm actually just uh, almost finished with create, uh, setting it up. It's probably going to be in a week. Uh, it'll be uh, you. You first every day is dot uh, com is going to be probably okay. where the ebook's going to. So, so you first every day. Now, this podcast was originally recorded at the beginning of November two thousand twenty-two. So, as soon as it's ready to go, we'll put the link in the show okay. notes. Perfect. Or you could put you first every day dot com as well. Perfect. Yeah. Right. The the problem is I I have the book and uh, I keep adding to the ebook, so it keeps going on and on and on. That. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, that's the workbook. It's great. I I absolutely love it. It's a collection of all the action plans and mm-hmm. motivations and ideas and things that have been the most impactful for me over the years. Starting back with Tony Robbins, uh, learning from Jesse Itzler, Pat Croce a lot of things on my own that just sort of really, I can look back when I was writing my book, I really realized uh, some of the things that really worked for me. And the greatest thing about this book is you can use it and reuse it every now and then I'll go back and and have a little, I need a little help with a little something. And well, that'll be sitting on my kids shelves when they're, when they're ready for (laughs) 10 and eight. Now we're going to ease that and hammer it right over the head with it. But speaking of, of, of Jesse Itzler and, and Tony Robbins, who have been some of your mentors and what have they meant to you? What have you learned from them? Pat Croce, uh, he was great. He was, or I guess he used to own part of the Philadelphia 76ers. Great entrepreneur, motivational speaker. He lived down in Key West. So we worked together on some things and he was uh, amazing, but he's that take action guy. Every week, you know, we had to come up with called 515s. We had to, at the end of the week, we had to talk about what we did and then what we're going to do the next week. So we're just constantly, constantly moving, but he always had such a great attitude. He always knew every single person's name. He'd introduce himself and ask somebody's name and everybody. He was such a people person and everyone in his entire family is the same. They're just the most, if you ever get a chance to meet him, the most amazing uh, group of people. But, but yeah, Pat was uh, he's a great influence and really uh, a big believer in building a business with people. 
Now, is he still down there now? I mean, no, he left. His kids run one of the businesses here. Okay. Uh, he sold the rest of them and he's in Philly. He's, he's so interesting. From a distance, you'd be like, he's off the wall, right? Yeah. But he, he is so, like you said, he's, he's about action. He's about moving things forward. And I've yeah. got to say, he's a bit of a visionary as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Who else would be a mentor of yours? It's funny because I, I was thinking about my mentors and role models and people who have inspired me over the years when I was finishing up my book. And I came with Richard Branson probably was like, a have never met him, but huge influence in the power of yes, and the power of being nice and the power of building businesses with people. Yes, more fun things come from a yes attitude than a no attitude, right? Mm-hmm. And that's always been, uh, I'll always say yes to the point where I, I get myself into a jam, but at least I always keep the door open with yes. But when I was thinking about who my sort of role models were, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I loved Madonna because she always would remarket herself. And I'm like, but I don't know Madonna and I don't know Richard Branson. And so I said, who are my role models that I do know? And this is how I came up with this action plan. I wrote down four people. Pat was actually one of them. And I wrote down five things I liked about each of them. Then once I was done, because they're very different individuals to me. When I was done, I circled the things, I highlighted the things that were similar in that group, right? I just basically took the whole list. If there are duplicates, I crossed it out and I ended up with this list of about 12 things because some of them were the same. I was like, that's the type of person that I want to be. I like these people. I admire these people. They're mentors to me. These are the characteristics of more of who of the type of person I want to be. And I use that as my goal. You know, I wanted to do more volunteer work. I wanted to always take care of myself. It gave me a, a really good sort of starting point of this is the type of person that I want to be. Then do I need to do to make that happen? But think about the power of that, right? The intentionality. You sat down four people that I yeah. know that are role models. Yeah. The five things I like the most about them. Yeah. Right. And then make that list. And if you have that as a point of reference every single day, yeah. It's pretty powerful. I mean, it's yeah. a pretty yeah. it's a good way to keep you in check. It's a good way to keep you moving forward. It's a good way yeah. to keep your creativity going. I think yeah. that now where did you get that idea from? Or was that was that it a was, Sue Cooper it idea? Was completely off of when I was just thinking about who I admire and who were my my mentors. And I came up with Madonna and Richard Branson. And I was like, I don't really know them. Now, you know, a little bit more because of social media, but that's when I was just, I just came up with it. I just said, well, who are mine that are in my life that I do know? Mm. And uh, yeah, it's that it changed my life because it really emphasized the things that were important to me that I didn't realize there's a lot of power in writing things down too. But that's where I really was like, wow, you know, it is really important that I take care of myself every day. It is really important that that's a big part of it. And that's how I actually got into volunteer work because of that exercise. So I was like, what can I do? Where do I want to spend my time? You know, talk about that volunteer work. What does that mean to you? Like how amazingly fulfilling is that? And and what are, what's some of the work that you do? I so I started working with uh, Special Olympics and it just kind of fell into it because um, they were starting a program. They needed more things for the Special Olympic athletes to do. We were paddleboarding. So we would do paddleboard uh, lessons every week with them and trainings. And then uh, then we had events so they could race. And then we had other events where we would include them in our races. And I mean, it was it, it just it grew pretty quick. And it started really in Key West, which is fantastic. And one of the girls that works for Lazy Dog actually wrote the manual for Special Olympics so that it could be wow. implemented in other in other uh, counties. Mm-hmm. 
Then we'd have counties all through Florida come down and we'd put on an event and uh, it grew. And now Special Olympics for paddleboarding is in uh, the World Games. And That's it amazing. never was before. It's, it's, it's amazing. So talk about that because you shared a little story with me before about when you first realized like the impact that this was having when you saw the smiles on their faces and the, yeah, the fear yeah. they were overcoming. And, and now all of a sudden, it's just it's a way of life for yeah. Oh, I mean, and they walk around town like they're just superstars yeah. and they are, but it's, it's, it is a great impact to see that. But the feeling that I had, and again, I realized in writing the book, I was like, wow, you know, that really truly made me feel successful. Mm-hmm. That's when I was like, yeah. wow, I, I was really proud of myself. When I think about it, we don't really do a lot of volunteering and giving back until later in our lives, because we're so busy with our businesses and building and doing all this. And then later on in life, when we have a little more time or freedom or money, we're like, okay, what can I do to give back? And we volunteer more. But if we could just, when we get out of school, college, wherever, if we just made giving back and volunteering a big part of our life in the early years, we'd feel successful right in our early 20s. We're like, we're golden. We're good. All good. What do I need to do? But you know, it's just such a great feeling to be able to be part of something and to see it grow. And speaking of events, take me through some of the amazing events that you folks have with the Lazy Dog. It's pretty cool because it's one of the things that you're known for. You do some pretty out there stuff that's really We do. Actually, um, we just had a hurricane here a couple of weeks ago. And our event was actually supposed to be that weekend. So it got uh, pushed to December, but we do a paddle around Key West. Mm -hmm. It's a 12 mile paddle around the island. We get racers from all over the country. Uh, It's in its 25th year. We get everything from stand-up paddles, prone paddle boards, which are the lay down boards, like surfboards, outrigger canoes, kayaks. We get everything. Uh, If you can paddle it, human powered, you can race it. So we're all inclusive. (laughs) For the paddle around Key West, I don't have to stand on the paddle board for 25 miles. I can sit my butt in a kayak that's really user friendly and and paddle. Yeah. Yeah. 12 miles. Yep. Yep. It's not not bad. Yeah. It takes people about average three hours to finish, but it's a big challenge. And again, I love the platform of like putting together something where people can have an experience that they might not ordinarily have had. I love being at the finish line and just seeing how people are so proud of themselves for that, for finishing. How about the paddleboard race? When you take them out seven miles out and oh, you, throw yeah. their, you throw their paddleboards <laughs> in the water and say, go on. That was fun. Get, yeah. Get going. I did a race in Puerto Rico and I was like, wow, this is really cool. They took us out on the boat, dropped us, threw us overboard with our boards and we had to race back to Puerto Rico. I'm like, this is really cool. So we should do something like this in Key West. And I was like, waiting, no one else is going to do it. And here I am complaining about it all the time. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We yep. can do it. We'll have yep. to put it on. Yep. So we did. We uh, we set up with, uh, worked with another company, Sebago, and at Big Catamarans. And we took everybody out at sunrise. And everybody jumped overboard. We threw the boards overboard. And everybody had to race back to Key West. And we had a nice uh, breakfast with one of the restaurants there on the beach when we got back. And, it's just creating experiences. I love it. That's life to me. It's all in having fun. And if it doesn't exist, what things that you want to do, then just create it. Create it. It's that right. simple. Great. You know, if you want to be a big speaker and you want to be on a big platform and a big arena and speak and you're no one's asking you, create the event, sell the tickets, get, get other speakers, get the venue. I mean, it's a lot of work, but you can create what it is that you want to do. Speaking of creating things, four books? Uh, four books. I have, well, one I did a, 
I added an extra maybe 50 pages to. So, Sorry, yeah. we're gonna count as we're gonna count that. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now was that was that the lazy dog way or was that the millionaire and flip flops? Millionaire and flip flops was my first book, and yep. then I updated it a couple years ago. Then I wrote the business book, uh, the lazy dog life, and yep. then I've got the workbook, the take action workbook. Can you walk us through each book? They're incredible books, but they're a little bit different. And let the yeah. listener decide which one because our listeners are gonna go buy these books like <laughs> now. Okay, so. Take us I tried that. to put the, the things that were most important. I tried to kind of uh, overlap a little bit, but uh, the millionaire flip flops was a little bit more lifestyle and the things that I learned along the way. Um, a lot of action plans in all the books because, again, I'm big, uh, not just like here's the lesson that I learned and this is what maybe what I would have done different, but then here's an action plan to help you uh, apply it to your life because that's what really worked for me when I think about the type of book that I wanted. The Tony Robbins, his style really worked for me because. He was all about action plans. I would listen to his his cassettes, you know, he'd share a story. This is what happened to him. This is how he did it. And then he'd say, okay, pull your car over because you're probably listening to this in the car. And I want you to, to do this. I want you to write down five things, da, 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 you know, and that style really worked for me. I have people who come and visit and bring the books to me and I see they have all their notes in there. And I, I absolutely love that and see that they doing the doing the work is, is where it's at. But yeah, I realized... I love business. I could talk business all day long. And my original transcript, I sent off to my friends and I noticed they put all the smiley faces and liked all the stories that were more personal stories and all the business ones, there, were, there wasn't really any comments. And I'm like, yeah, maybe it, it should be two different books. But the business book, it just took me so long to write because uh, it's constantly changing on the front lines of my business. I'm always in it. I, things are always changing and moving. And I always had something additional to write. So what I'm going to do now, and again, my business book has a lot of action plans in it too. And although it's a business book, I really want to stress the fact that all the action plans, although they're business related, you can apply them to your personal life too. Because to me, it's all the same. It's who you are as a person, how you handle things at work is, should be how you handle things at home. You know, it's all, it's all about how we treat people. But yeah, I realize that I've got a lot of business content. And after 25 years, I'm ready to like dump it all out of my head. I love helping people. I love, I'm passionate about, especially uh, owner operators. I love that uh, energy. I love events, the energy of events. So um, I'm really going to uh, start getting into my YouTube channel. I've been playing around with it for years, but all my new content is going to go, uh, instead of doing any more books, is just going to go into my YouTube channel. And um, I want to share everything that I've learned because that's, uh, that, that it always makes me so happy to well, share. On behalf of a lot of people. I mean, thank you for sharing because not, <laughs> not everybody would do that. I mean, in just our two conversations, I've learned so much. One of the things that's really interesting, we work with a lot of biotech, biopharma startups, right? And there's an entrepreneurial spirit. Mm -hmm. But from a leadership standpoint with the people in, in your British mindset of kindness, <laughs> what would be the best advice you would give to leaders in terms of coaching their people with that entrepreneurial spirit in mind? Yeah. It all starts with the leader. It starts with your energy. And it's not always in how you speak, but how you are physically and caring. But I cater everything individually. And my manager who handles the operations, I've told her the same thing. And it was tougher in the beginning, but every single employee is an individual. And you have to understand their life and understand what works for them and cater how you communicate with them and even some of their jobs to their personality. It takes a lot more work. But it's the secret to, to building great teams and uh, leadership and 
everyone is an individual. And I go in and I, I know what they did last night because they told me the day before what they were going to do. And I ask them and I follow up and I'm in their business. I'm in their life. I want to know what's going on. I want to understand what, what makes them tick, what makes them happy, what makes them, because then I can really manage them. But you have to understand your, your people to be able to, uh, to lead. I love it. That's a great way to wrap it up. And, and with mm-hmm. that being said, where can folks coming down to Key West or they just want to find the books, anything about Sue Cooper, we're on social uh, website. We'll have it all in the show notes now. Now in our show notes, right. we'll have all the links, but love to hear it from you. Yeah. So uh, lazydog.com is my business site. So you can always get a hold of us through there um, and see everything that we do. We'd love to take you out on an adventure in Key West for sure. And then my YouTube channel is, will be where all my new stuff is. And um, and my books are available on Amazon. So you can Google me on there. I There's Probably a picture of me with some beautiful blue water behind me if, if, that, <laughs> if you can't figure out my profile picture. <laughs> I love it. You know, I can't, because of the sun, I can't see out the, the sliding glass doors and the windows there, but uh, how close uh, yeah. to that water are you? Because I feel like... Yeah, it's right there. It's right there. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be down soon to Key West. I'd love to come down and spend a yes, day with you. Yes, absolutely. That'd be great. And, you know, and with that being said, as we have so many folks in leadership that listen to this podcast, you do do team building events, correct? Like you do yes. something where people can bring their corporate teams down there. Can you talk about that a little bit? And I apologize. I should have got that in there earlier. Yeah, no, I I cater it to whatever people want, but if they want like really the workbooks and getting out on the water and doing something completely different out of people's comfort zones, like getting them out physically out of their comfort zone and then having them do the mental work uh, from the workbook, I think is just a great, like, it's just so impactful and, um, and it's fun, you know, I mean, what a great setting. We've got the, the greatest conference room in the world right here. <laughs> I love it. That is awesome. Sue, thank you so much. I, I truly appreciate your time and everything that you, you share with us. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Athletics of Business. Be sure to give us a rating and review so we know how we're doing. For more information about the show, visit theathleticsofbusiness.com. Now, get out there, think, act, and execute at the highest level to unleash your greatness.